0: This is Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast number 373 for March the 4th, 2012. And this is Rico, but I'm not really here.
1: They we never went down to Georgia, he was looking for soul to steal. He was in a bag, two's way behind I'm to make a deal. When he came across his young boy, on a fiddle and playing it hot, the devil jumped up on the hypocrite's thumb. Said, "Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. Now, if you care to make a deal, well, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy. That gives the devil his due. A better fiddle of gold against your soul. That think I'm better than you. The boy said, "My name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet. You're gonna regret sound the best there's ever been. Yeah, I have a
2: job." I'm not the one who killed my wife's rapist in cold blood detective. I'm the one giving you a second chance at redemption. You know, if you're not interested in rounding up
3: these fugitives, there are plenty of others just dying to take your place. Oh. You mean other damn souls? Hmm. What do you can you trust?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, your regular podcast dedicated to television films of science fiction, including books, collectibles, comics and all kinds of geeky goodness. As you know, your regular host Rico Dosti, likes to have a break every other week and us members from the forum sneak into his captain's chair and take over for a bit. My name is Simon Meddings and I'm known as Hawkeye Meds, on the in Sci-Fi Forum. It's a great place to go. If you're not a member, please do come over there and join up. You'll find lots of facts, trivia, information and great conversations all to do with film, TV, books and everything else to do with science fiction and maybe other stuff as well, including rubbish 3Ds and how George Lucas is responsible for Europe's economical crash. So... What do I do? Well, I present a podcast called Waffle On Podcast with my friend Mark, and we talk about classic TV and film. I'm also one of the co-hosts of MASH 4077 Podcast, which of course, for those who don't know, is a podcast dedicated to the classic American TV series MASH. I'm also one of the writers of Martian Creative, and we do the Martians Are Here podcast and do various other television and audio stuff. So, what am I going to talk to you, good listeners, about on this week? Well, I'm going to be talking about a short lived television program called Brimstone. And here is a little bit from the pilot episode.
3: Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been a long time since my last confession. I was a cop I was good at my job I was married I had a good life and my wife was raped we uh, caught the guy who did it but he got off I tracked him down and I killed him killed him killed him this is a terrible terrible sin my son two months later I I cornered this petty thief who had a gun. He opened up on me. I took five bullets to the face and neck. And I died. And because I had killed a man in cold blood, I went to hell. okay and their father. Now, it's funny, but even the most maximum security penitentiaries from time to time inmates will escape it happened on devil's island it happened at alcatraz six weeks ago it happened in hell 113 of the most vile creatures who ever walked the earth escaped and now they're back but being prince of lies the master of hell surely Having his subjects back on Earth, spreading chaos and destruction. All this would bring a smile to his face. I don't know, Father. You of all people know that even the devil has to answer to a higher power. He's screwed no. up. And now I need someone to fix things. Track down those creatures and send them back to hell. Why are you telling me this, this ridiculous story? Oh, come on, Father.
4: I think you know why. Sounds great, doesn't it? And which makes you wonder why Fox did another one of its classic blunders and cancelled this series after only 13 episodes. It's a supernatural drama created by Ethan Reif and Cyrus Voris. And 13 episodes only. Another tragedy there to us TV fans. It ran from October the 23rd, 1998 to February the 12th, 1999. It starred um, Peter Horton and John Glover. So, the synopsis of this brilliant TV show. In 1983, Ezekiel Zeke Stone, played by Peter Horton, was a New York City police detective whose wife, Rosalind, was raped. He tracked down and arrested the offender, Gilbert Jax, who was cleared of the charges. Furious, Stone then murdered Jax. Two months later, Stone was killed and went to hell for murdering Jax. The Devil, played by the wonderful John Glover, explains in the pilot episode that this was both because Stone responded to his wife's rape with murder and because he took pleasure in the killing, which prevented it from being justice. Stone died the most decorated cop in New York City history. Fifteen years later, a breakout from hell occurs, led by a 4,000-year-old Canaanite priestess named Ashar Baduktu, played by Terry Polo. The devil explains that a few souls have escaped, and presumably been returned to hell, but nothing of this magnitude, which includes 113 souls. Because the devil claims to be powerless on earth... Though he apparently can teleport, disguise himself, and use some form of limited magic, he makes a deal with Stone. Stone will be returned to Earth to track down these 113 escapees, and if he can return all of them to Hell, before one of them of course kills him, he will earn a second chance of life on Earth, and thus possibly Heaven. The devil seems to hint Stone's work almost as much as he helped it. However, giving some information but withholding crucial facts or giving only cryptic clues to where Stone will find an escapee, he apparently delights in watching him become more irritable with his interference. It was suggested by an angel in the episode It's a Hell of a Life that Stone served God's, God's purpose as well as the devil's in his former life through his sins. Ezekiel does have some powers, and of course... Who wouldn't when you're coming from hell? You're going to need some. And uh, these are almost like superhuman. Uh, He's dead, so of course he can't be killed or injured, except he does feel pain. Um, Each one of the escapees... Uh, Once he captures them, he then gets uh, one of his tattoos burnt off. Now, Stone has 113 tattoos on his body. So, of course, every time he uh, captures one of the escapees, one of those tattoos is burnt off. Which makes you think that they were hoping to have uh, at least 113 episodes. Alas, they only had unlucky 13. Now, they also uh, do not bleed. Which is a bit weird, isn't it? But they don't, so you could do anything to them, and no blood will come about. Uh, Zekel wears the same clothes he was actually killed in. He his issued service pistol, uh, which he has, of course, no need to load or reload. This idea, however, has not been applied consistently by the creators of the show, as his gun ran out of ammo during the episode Encore and Lovers. Stone carries his detective's gold shield, but none of these items, the gun badge or clothes, retain any damage, even if they are hit by bullets. But this is also inconsistently applied as he takes his coat to the tailor in one episode and uh, has a hole in it which he wants to get sorted out. Now, Stone also carries $36.27 in cash. This was the same amount of money he had when he died. So there's no way he can buy a car. He can't really buy much else for $36. But, you know, inflation and all that, I suppose, uh, $36 was was a fair amount of money back in uh, 1998. So the devil informs Stone that because the eyes are the windows of the soul, Stone must pierce the eyes of an escapee to return them to hell. Mm. Now this rule also applies. So this rule also applies to Stone. However, though it was modified only once to some extent by the Devil in a special case when Stone had to return the man who killed his wife, he also had to employ the same rage to do as he did in life. Now, if Stone had returned, his mission would be considered a failure. Therefore, he would remain in Hell and another person would be chosen to return their fugitive souls, as you possibly heard at the beginning of this episode in that short clip, uh, after the devil went down to Georgia, played by the levers. Now, the devil has taunted Stone by reminding him of this and suggesting that certain escapees would be good replacements. Some escapees have other uh, supernatural powers, such as the ability to control the elements of, uh, and turn invisible. The devil explains that the longer one spends in hell, the more it becomes a part of them, Literally. Even though Stone himself describes them, in the opening narration, as the most vile creatures. Some of the escapees seem to be no more evil than Stone himself. Which, of course, would make sense, being that Stone is there because uh, he killed the man who raped his wife. And there's bound to be other people there who have had similar issues. Which, of course, makes it harder for Stone to do his job, because he obviously does sympathise with them. Um, But, of course, that makes for... Good TV. There's also a few other characters in the show, so uh, let's just talk about those. Uh, Stone has some allies in Maxine, played by Lovie Petty, the woman who owned the hotel where he stays, and Father Cletus Horn, played by Albert Hoare, a blind priest who eventually learned of Stone's mission. Stone occasionally works with police detectives Ash, played by Terry Polo, and Fraker, played by Scott Lawrence. Much of the st- series' internal conflict was generated by the fact that Stone's wife Rosalind, played by Stacy Heduck, was still alive and his difficulty in staying away from her. Uh, near the end uh, of the series, Ash was revealed to be the priestess who endeared the escape from hell by using her implied romance with the devil. Though he insists, of course, he never loved anyone but God. Oh, that devil, you know, you just can't trust him. As such, she became a sort of arch-nemesis and female fatale for Stone. She also became infatuated with him. So, let's talk about the main cast. So, Peter Horton played the main role of Ezekiel Stone. And uh, Peter was born on August 20th, 1953, in Bellevue, Washington. He was married to Michelle Pfeiffer from 1981 to 1988, and is now currently married to Nicole de Poutron from 1995. Uh, Horton is also possibly most well known uh, for playing the role of Professor Gary Shepard in the popular TV series 30-something uh, until 1991. Now, during his run on 30-something, People magazine named him one of the 50th most beautiful people. How oh, nice. Uh, Horton acted in television shows including St Elsewhere, The White Shadow, Dallas, Eight is Enough, In Treatment and The Gina Davis Show He uh, played Jacob in the 1982 feature film Split Image Father Mahoney in the 1986 feature film Where the River Runs Black Played Roy Fox in the 1996 film Two Days in the Valley Of course these were all extremely well-known films And played Bert in the 1984 Stephen King movie Children of the Corn He also appeared in the 1997 TV movie version of the John Krakura book Into Thin Air Death on Everest, playing Scott Fisher, the lead of the disastrous 1996 climb on Mount Everest. He was also in the movie Side Out in 1990 as Zach Barnes, a down-and-out ex-volleyball champ. Hmm. As a director, he has worked on several television series including The Shield, 30-something, The Wonder Years, Once and Again, and directed the pilot for Grey's Anatomy as well as pilots for a Class of 96, Birdland, Dirty Sexy Movie, The Philanthropist, and Reconstruction. He directed the 1990 film for television, Extreme Close-Up, as well as the 1995 feature film, The Cure. As a producer, he produced Reconstruction, which of course the co created, Lone Star, The Philanthropist, The Body Political, which of course he co-created, Grey's Anatomy, Six Degrees and Murder Live, which he wrote the story for. He appeared in Who Killed the Electric Car and is on the board of directors of the Environmental Alliance. As of 2010, Horton is an executive producer and director of Grey's Anatomy on ABC and produces and directs NBC's The Philanthropist. He's had a bloody good career, apart from some of those early films which I'm sure nobody recognises. So, what about the devil? And I mean the one on the TV. He's played by John Glover. Born, John Soresby Glover Jr. on the 7th of August 1944 in Kingston, New York. He has been active in acting since 1972. So, what's he done? Well, one of his early film performances was a small but pivotal role as a US diplomat in White Knights. Other notable roles include Alan Ramey in 52 Pickup, Bryce Cummings in Scrooged, Daniel Clamp in Gremlins 2 The New Batch, and Mobster, in Payback, an advertising spokesman in that rubbish sequel in Robocop 2, Derek Mills in Night of the Running Man, he played the Riddler in Batman, the animated series, Dr. Jason Woodru in Batman and Robin, and of course, all this is the one that we all like here on Trekking Sci-Fi, Verad in Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, Invasive Procedures. He also had a recurring role in the days and nights of Molly Dodd as Cousin G from Balmare, a relative who no one actually seemed to know. He appeared in one episode of Miami Vice. He also appeared in two episodes of Murder, she wrote, one called One White Rose for Death, in which he played an East German, Franz Mueller, who wished to defect to the US, but whose whose sister was a celebrated concert violinist, and they both got caught up in a case of murder at the British Embassy. The other was called When Thieves Fall Out, playing Andrew Durbin, a man wrongly accused of stealing bonds. He appeared in the TV movie An Early Frost in 1985, the first TV film to touch on the AIDS issue, and received an Emmy nomination for his performance as a gay AIDS patient. In 1986, he appeared in the TV film Apology, with Leslie Ann Warren. He also received a 1994 Emmy nomination for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for his guest role in Fraser. But of course, we all probably know him more as Lionel Luther in the wonderful Smallville series, and I think we'll all agree he nearly stole the show on that whenever he turned up. So, of the regular guests, well, Maria Costa turns up as Tessita, or the waitress, Stacey Hayduck as Rosalind Stone, Albert Hall as Father Cletus Horn; Scott Lawrence as Lieutenant Fraker. Lobby Petty as Maxine and Terry Polo as Detective Ash or Ashur Baduka. Okay, so let's go through the actual episodes of this TV series. Uh, Now I've copied this out from the Brimstone website which is a great place to go to uh, if you want to seek out more information about this. Before I talk about the episodes I should point out that unfortunately Brimstone is not available on DVD but of course I own the DVD of the series and you can too if you scour the internet like eBay and buy one of those DVDs where someone's copied it from the television and put it onto disc. Um, it's such a shame because I think it really does deserve a good DVD release. Um, it still seems to have a really good cult following. And hopefully after you've heard me talk about these episodes, you'll like to go and seek it out as well. If you don't really want to go and buy it, you can go to YouTube. Just type in Brimstone and you'll find not all of the episodes, um, but I found at least five up there in parts. Um, so at least you can get to have it. And all in good quality as well, I should point out. So at least you can get to have a bit of a view and see if it's uh, up your street. So, the pilot aired on Friday, October 23rd, 1998. New York detective Ezekiel Stone returns from hell to track down 113 escaped souls, a deal he made with the devil for a second chance on earth. In the pilot episodes, he crosses paths with a priest who kidnapped children for special purposes. Mm. And that's what the clip that I played uh, earlier on... Was all about. The second episode, called Encore, aired Friday, November the 6th, 1998. And during an intense heatwave, Stone investigates a series of rapes and makes a startling discovery as to the escaped soul's identity. This was written by Scott A. Williams and directed by Felix Enrico Escala. Episode 3, entitled Poem, aired Friday, November the 20th, 1998. Stone has to capture an ancient Chinese poet who is killing young immigrant virgin women. Mm. This was written by Ethan Reif and Cyrus Voris, directed once again by Felix Enrico Escala. Episode 4, called Heat, which aired on Friday, October the 30th, 1998. Stone hunts down a college student whose embrace burns her victims. She turns out to be a rape victim from the medieval age. Mm, so he wouldn't want to cuddle off her. This was written by Janice Diamond and directed by Jesus. Oh, Trevin, sorry. Episode 5, Slayer, aired Friday, December 11th, 1998. After refusing to help an ancient Caligian warrior, Stone races against the lives of widows of murdered police officers while being the primary suspect in the case he's investigating. Teleplay here by Angel Dean Lopez and story by Ethan Reese and Cyrus Voris, directed by Vern Gilliam. Episode 6, called Repentance, aired on Friday the November the 13th, 1998. Stone has to stop the Angel of Mercy, an old Dutch SS officer who has made himself the saviour of the homeless. But is he really the one responsible for a wave of recent murders? I've got to be honest with you, the chances are, if he's an old Dutch SS officer, he is! This was written by Fred Golem and directed by Terence O'Hara. Episode 7, happily called The Executioner, aired on Friday, December the 4th, 1998. Stone hunts down a soul who is taking justice into his own hands by electrocuting people who have slipped through the criminal justice system. Fair enough, I say. Teleplay by Scott A. Williams and story by Fred Golan, and this is directed by Dan Lerner. Episode 8, Ashes, aired on Friday, December the 18th, 1998. While drawing closer to Detective Ash, Stone hunts down an arsonist who has been burning down places of worship. Nasty man. Written by Angel Dean Lopez and directed by Larry Carroll. Ironic that a couple of these have been written by someone with a first name as Angel. Mm. Episode 9, Lovers. Aired Friday, January the 8th, 1999. Stone invokes a woman, played by Sh- Shannon Sturgis's wrath after he sends her lover, by Jesse Barrigo, back to hell. This one, written by Chris Bertollet and directed by John Kretschmer. Episode 10, Carrier, aired on Friday, January 15th, 1999. Stone must send a damned soul infected with a typhoid back to hell before she unleashes a terrible plague. His mission is complicated after she infects him with a hellish disease. Written by Janice Diamond and directed by Jesus Salvador Tudvani. Episode 11, called Faces, aired on Friday, January ninth, 1999. Stone befriends a young boy who may or may not be one of the escaped souls. Stone is hunting for. This was written by Fred Golan and directed by Larry Carroll. Episode 12, It's a Hell of a Life, aired on Friday, February the 5th, 1999. When Stone grows weary of chasing damned souls, the devil catalogues his sins, and an angel charts his future as a protector of innocent people. Written by Janice Diamond and Scott A. Williams, directed by Felix Alcala. Episode 13, and the last one to be shown, was Morning After. This was aired on Friday, February 12, 1999. When Stone follows his wife home, he discovers that her neighbour is populated with refugees from hell, and she's dating one of them. Now, that's what you call a bad day. This was a teleplay by Ethan Reese and Cyrus Voice, story by Angel Dean Lopez, and directed by Dan Lerner. They all sound like pretty good episodes to sit back to and watch and enjoy, possibly with a glass of wine, which, well, I'm doing as well, so let's have a slope.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh.
4: Ah, thank you very much. So Fox initially ordered six more episodes of Brimstone and these episodes were of course in various stages of pre-production before the plug was pulled. So what were those episodes? Well these are them. Episode 14, Rivals. Shut down a mere three hours into production of episode 14 pitted Stone with two dilemmas. An escaped damned soul who is killing illegal immigrants and a beautiful kick-ass damned woman of the Irish Republican Army who the devil has brought back in order to test stone. That crafty devil. The deal, well, whoever sends this week's damned soul to health first gets to stay on Earth and hunt down the rest of the 113. Whoever fails gets a one-way ticket back to eternal damnation. Of course, Zika wins, but not before getting somewhat physically involved with the IRA woman, who proves to be almost his match in every way, shape and form. Episode 15, Deadline. An episode with a backward structure. A reporter shows up on the scene just in time to witness Ezekiel sending a damned soul back to hell, then tracks the story backwards in his attempt to find Stone and find out what's going on. Episode 16, called Angel. Stone tracks down what he thinks is a damned soul, but turns out instead to be a rogue angel. Who's bored with heaven and desperate to taste everything life has to offer, including sex, drugs, rock and roll and murder. Stone has to figure out how to track the bad angel into going back to heaven with a little help from someone who ain't the devil and prompts the devil into yelling at the heavens. He's working for me, not you. Also in this episode, a mysterious woman who shows up and starts asking questions about Ezekiel Stone. It's Rosalind, his wife episode 17 partners stone tracks down another damn soul but this time the devil shows up and wants to tag along on stone's investigation pesky devil this one's personal for old lucifer because this is the one guy who never broke the one guy who never begged for mercy who did his time in hell defiantly always telling the devil well to go somewhere beginning with f but this is a family entertaining podcast and we won't be saying any of those words So who is this tough-as-nails damn soul? Well, none other than a meek, mild-mannered Clark, who looks like he wouldn't hurt a fly. Lots of darkly comic antics with Stone showing the devil how to be a detective, etc. Also, more of Rosaline tracking down her husband she was sure was dead. Until now. Episode 18, Innocence. Stone tracks down a damn soul, who turns out to be none other than one of his relatives, A beloved uncle from Stone's childhood who claims that he was innocent, that somebody up there made a mistake. Stone embarks on a bizarre quest, not to hunt down this week's damn soul, but to try and clear him and find the real bad guy. Episode 19, the final one here, the season finale. Maxine finds out that Stone's birthday is coming up and tries to throw a party for her loneliest hotel guest. Problem is, of course, she can't find any friends or relatives except those that claim that Zeke or Stone has been dead for 15 years. Plus, the return of Ash, the return of Zeke's cat, and a stunning cliffhanger. Max brings a special surprise guest to Zeke's birthday party, a guest whose arrival was to serve as our series finale. Of course, it was his wife, Rosalie. So, that's the end of that. Now, there has been talk of a film being made, uh, but like uh, Firefly, uh, of course they were lucky to have Serenity, Um, no film has been made, uh, but I think one has been wrote. It's such a shame that this series was cancelled after only 13 episodes. Again, like Firefly, um, it seems the executives don't like to give these programmes a chance. Um i doubt if it will ever come back i doubt if it'll ever get remade i hope it doesn't get remade um i know it's a terrible thing to say but those 13 episodes are gold and they are brilliant and if you like a little bit of supernatural and dark programs with a little bit of subtle humor in there then this is the program for you and i hope uh, my brief half hour chat about brimstone has maybe whetted your appetite uh, not to play with the devil that would be wrong uh, but to go and seek out these wonderful episodes Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this Treks in Sci-Fi episode. Sorry it's only short, but uh, at least it's one for the weekly podcast. Anyway, we've got some promos to play for you now. Have a listen, there might be something you quite like, and we'll be seeing you next week for some more Treks in Sci-Fi. Hey there, once you've finished listening to the brilliant Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty, why don't you come over and check my podcast out. We talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. We're called Waffle On Podcast, and you can find us at iTunes. Just type in Waffle On Podcast, or go to our main website. That's waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you'd join us.
0: 11 teams of two in an exciting race around the world to win $1 million on The Amazing Race.
3: I'm Joyce. And I'm Al. On our show, The Amazing Race Fast Forward Podcast, we'll recap each weekly episode of The Amazing Race give you a rundown on each team and tell you our predictions on who we think will cross the mat in first place each week and ultimately win the $1 million
0: prize. We'll also share listener predictions and other interesting information we pick up along the season. Check out the Fast Forward podcast in iTunes
3: or at FastForwardTAR.com
0: and we'll see you
3: at the Fast Forward.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Fisher. Hi, I'm Mrs. Han Solo, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic because George Lucas ruined my life. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Fifty-seven years ago, I did his little Star Wars film, a cult film that then went on to redefine what they laughingly refer to as the face of cinema. And now, 65 years later, people are still asking me if I knew it was going to be that big of a hit. Yes, I knew. We all knew. The only one who didn't know was George. We kept it from him because we wanted to see what his face looked like when it changed expression. (laughs) George is a sadist. But like any abused child wearing a metal bikini changed to a giant slug about to die, I keep coming back for more. Only a man like George could bring us whole new worlds populated by vivid, extraordinary characters and providing Mark and Harrison and myself with enough fan mail and even a small merry band of stalkers. (laughs) It's lovely. Keeping us entertained for the rest of our unnatural lives. George... The fact that you made me into a little doll that my first husband could stick pins into, a shampoo bottle where people could twist my head off and pour liquid out of my neck, lather up with Leia, and you'll feel like a princess yourself. And yes, the little Pez dispenser so that my daughter, Billy, could pull my head back and pull a wafer out of my neck every time she doesn't want to do her homework. I suppose I don't mind. And though amongst your many possessions, you have owned my likeness low all these years so that every time I look in the mirror, I have to send you a check for a couple of bucks. (laughs) to mention, you had the unmitigated gall to let that chick, the new girl who plays my mother, Queen Amadillo, or whatever her name is, she wears a new hairstyle and outfit practically every time she walks through a door. I mean, I bet she even got to wear a bra,
0: even though you
2: told me I couldn't, because there was no underwear in space. <laughs> Slightly bitter because you, my formerly silent friend, are an extraordinary talent and, let's face it, an artist. The like of which is seen perhaps once in a generation, who helps define that generation and who deserves every award. I now spend the latter half of my Leia-laden life helping to hurl your way. Conclusion, Your Honor, I hope I slept with you to get the job, because if not, who the hell was that guy?
0: A big thanks to Meds for doing this special guest podcast today for Treks in Sci-Fi. And this is Rico again. I just wanted to give everyone a quick heads up. I'm going to release later this week on March the 7th a special uh, podcast where I interview a Star Trek fan, author, someone who worked on TNG and other Star Trek productions, who is working on a new film project that he wanted to talk to me about. We talked over Skype uh, and uh, had a lot of fun talking about that project and other things, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy this. I'm going to kind of tease you and not tell you who the podcast is with and who I interviewed, but uh, that'll be coming out on March the 7th, a special midweek edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. And I'll be back in the center seat next weekend with the usual Treks in Sci-Fi podcast for all of you. So again, take care, everyone, and look for that special midweek show this week on Treks in Sci-Fi.
1: My secret lair on Skullcrusher Mountain. I hope that you've enjoyed your stay so far. I see you've met my assistant, Scarface. His appearance is quite disturbing, but I assure you he's harmless enough. He's a sweetheart. feeling that you don't like it what's with all the screaming you like monkeys you like ponies maybe you don't like monsters so much maybe i use too many monkeys isn't it enough to know that i ruined a pony making a gift for you I've been patient, I've been gracious And this mountain is covered with wolves Hear them howling, my hungry children Maybe you should stay and have another drink And think about me and you
0: Sci-fi with Rico Dosti and other special guests. We would love to hear from you. Write to us today at TrekSF at
2: gmail.com. That's TrekSF at gmail.com. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise, Enterprise,
3: Enterprise. It's continuing rich. out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go
2: where no one has gone before. Visit the website today
0: at www.trexinsci-fi.com. Trex in Sci-Fi is a Rico Dosti production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. Treks in Sci-Fi.